This is the Cheryl Stroud Skin 365 Expert Podcast, and I'm Cheryl Stroud. Today, we are having a conversation with Juanita Burgess, one of the most interesting estheticians I have met. Juanita is juggling a lot of balls in the air, and when you listen to this amazing mother of an 18-month-old son, wife, and entrepreneur, you'll see that there's more below the surface of this skincare maven. Juanita is going to share with us her take on branding, developing a makeup and skincare brand, and so much more. But first, let's get to know a little bit more about Juanita before I bring her on. Juanita is a licensed esthetician, makeup artist, entrepreneur, aesthetic curriculum inspector for the state of Connecticut, director of aesthetics for a cosmetology school, owner of No Honey Makeup Brand, and the creator of an upcoming skincare line. She's a brand coach where she uses her creative talents to help small business owners develop, design, and strengthen their brand. So Anita, it's been uh, a task for you and I to get together and have this podcast, but I'm so looking forward to it today because I think you are... Uh, one of the most interesting women in the world, sort of like the Dos Equis guy. <laughs> so um, here's your list of credentials. You're a makeup artist, an esthetician, entrepreneur, and inspector. You own your own skincare line. Um, I'm sorry, own your own makeup line, but you're starting a skincare line, and you have a consulting um, company where you do consulting, coaching, and graphic design to help people with their brand and strengthen their brand. So tell us how this happened. Well, oh goodness, that is a whole story in itself. Um, but my my start to my career began um, actually right after high school. I had a strong interest in photography. And being interested in photography, I started noticing, you know, certain things, imperfections, certain ways. You know, um, when I say imperfections, I mean, oh, goodness, you know, if she had lipstick on, that'll look great. Or, oh, man, if she had some highlighter on, you know, started noticing how a little more beautification could change, you know, the whole look of the person I was photographing. And so I started getting interested in makeup. And um, a friend of mine let me do her makeup for her wedding, and it actually turned out really nice. Uh, when I look back now, it was, like, horrible. <laughs> but back then, it was, you know, it was like, oh, I did a great job. Um, and that started, you know, me becoming more confident in pursuing makeup. And I realized that makeup was nice, but what happens when you have skin issues? What happens when you have acne? What happens when, you know, your skin is oily and it seems like your makeup is melting off your face? And I wanted to see how to correct that because it was it was causing a challenge in my makeup artistry. And so I went to school for aesthetics. I was working full time. I had a really good job. And I took a huge leap of faith. I uh, My job was actually dissolving our department. And they were transferring us to a new department. And they gave us about two weeks off um, while they restructured the whole department. And by the end of those two weeks, I decided, you know what? I'm going to take this leap and I'm going to go to school full time. And I'm going to become an esthetician. And so I quit my job. And I went to school. I had enough savings to get me through school. And I live off my savings. I went to school for aesthetics. 
and I graduated and never looked back. And I became an esthetician from there uh, in 2010, and that has been an exciting career for me. Um, and I think that just snowballed into other interests, such as, you know, a makeup line, getting back to my love for makeup and, you know, working in the spa, working in salons, just evolving myself around, surrounding myself around others who um, have the same passion. And, yeah, that's kind of like how it all started for me. And then um, you also dabble in working with the state of Connecticut as an inspector of schools, as well as a director of a cosmetology school for aesthetics. So how is all that? Um, and uh, my audience should know that you're a mother of a new young baby too, right? How old is your baby? Yes. Oh, my son Judah, he is 18, actually he's 19 months today. He's 19 months old and I have a 19 year old son as well. Okay, so how do you juggle all this? How does this work out? Wow. So, well, in regards to the state, um, I am what I am contracted as a curriculum specialist, which means that whenever a, a school and a cosmetology cosmetology or an aesthetic school are looking to open up or to recertify their program uh, to teach aesthetics, they would. Uh, partner with me, well, I will part with, partner with them, actually, and go and do an, an inspection, do a site visit, make sure, you know, the curriculum is up to standard, make sure it's a quality curriculum, to make sure students are getting the quality education they're paying for, um, and that is contracted, so that, that can happen, you know, any time throughout the year, uh, depending on when schools are renewing, and that's quite, um, uh, I, I love doing that, I love doing that because it allows me to see schools growing. There's so many great schools. Some of them are just starting. You can see the directors are excited about it. And so um, that doesn't take up a lot of my time because it's not on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, as far as being the director of aesthetics for um, a cosmetology school, um, since my son has been born, I actually have been on leave. I've been home with him, uh, you know, raising him. And um, I miss it. I miss being in the classroom. I miss teaching. Um, but as a mom, you know, that takes the priority for me. So juggling all of this really is just down to priority. It's, you know, what do you feel is most important for you to focus on and how you can um, negotiate that time so that I can be mom and I can be all these other hats that I have in my little hat suitcase. <laughs> So you also work as a brand coach, and can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because uh, my first question for you is, how do you start a brand? Oh, that's great. So I started off, and I actually I don't think I told you this. My my branding, my uh, coaching started off with a very specific uh, focus, and I started off getting into coaching for those who want to be entrepreneurs. It started off as specifically for um, the beauty industry. And I, my consulting business um, started off as Skinforia Consulting. And my focus was to help those estheticians who just graduated, those hairstylists who just graduated, barbers, nail techs, any of those in our beauty industry, to help them 
launch their business. And so to that question, what I focused on was how do you develop your imagery? Like, how do you develop your brand? Who are you? You know, every esthetician is different. Every hairstylist is different. You know, we all have different things we're great at. Some are great with anti-aging focus. Some focus mainly on acne. Some focus on, you know, um, more of the relaxation aspect of aesthetics. And so my coaching business has been really focusing on identifying who you are, and this is how you get started. You identify who you are. You identify your market. Who are you trying to sell to? Who do you want your clients to be? Um, identifying the demographic. Where are you going to set up business? You know, making sure that your your price points match the demographic and the and the income levels of your audience, of your potential clients. And market, market, market. You have to advertise. You have to market yourself. You have to have confidence. And so I would just coach uh, new entrepreneurs in developing their imagery, their brand, their demographic, their clientele, and their advertising. And that's really, um, you know, the, the gist of that. And I ended up dissolving Skin Florida Consulting and just changing the name. But I never changed the mission. I just changed the name to make it more open to people who are outside the beauty industry. And so those who are in other, you know, other markets, other um, industries could also utilize my services. So, Juanita, you know there's a lot of, um, it's like the writer's block or the painter that's looking at a blank canvas. When you say uh, build your brand, find out who you are, how do you find your voice, your brand's voice? I think you have to have a passion for something. You know, when you look at, let's just use, you know, our industry in aesthetics. When I started aesthetics, when I became an esthetician, uh, you know, I was learning. I, I learned all the different aspects. Even after graduation, I started working in a spa. I worked at a, uh, a beauty counter. I did these different things. But what I found I was really good at was teaching. I found that um, I loved educating people on things. I loved giving them product knowledge. I loved showing them how to use products. I did very well with communicating with them. And so I think the most important thing is you got to know what comes natural to you. You know, what what makes you smile? What do you lean towards? You know, you see the, the esthetician that, you know, love watching Dr. Pimple Popper or something like that. They love looking at extractions. They love looking at, you know, and it's like, okay. Then you got the ones that look at it and it's solid and they turn their head and they want nothing to do with it. Well, that's not for you. But if you find that you're drawn to one particular area of your field, that's probably um, where you want to start building your business and identity around as a professional. You know, if you're drawn towards acne, extraction, you know, things of that nature, well, then maybe you're kind of, you know, that's where you should start focusing on. You know, if you find that you love tools and machines and you love microderm machines, you love, you know, you love laser, you love all those different things, then maybe your, you know, your focus should be more towards medical aesthetics. So I think that as we do a fair and honest assessment of what we're drawn to, that usually is a tail sign of who you might be as a professional. With all the distractions that people have with internet and social media, 
and comparing themselves to other brands. How does somebody stay focused on their brand message? I think the number one thing is you have to believe it. You have to be, you have to believe it. You have to live it, and you have to be confident in it. I think it's so important. There's so many other people. You know, I always connect it to the the bread aisle. There's ten thousand different brands of bread. If you go down the bread aisle, there's so many different brands. But you have to know what you offer. You have to be confident in what you offer, and you have to believe in it because. When you don't believe in something, you don't invest in it. So when you do believe in it, you do invest. And so you you push it. You commit to it. You have to have discipline. Um, you have to set up time. It has to be a part of your lifestyle. And so, you know, if you don't have that passion and that dedication to yourself, your business is just going to, you know, fall apart or it's going to be very weak or it's not going to have a strong uh, representation, you know, via social media or even just, you know, as a business as a whole, you just won't have that. I think you have to really, really believe in it yourself. You know, and that leads me into my next question about discipline. There's so many opportunities and options for uh, advertising and branding yourself for free through social media websites and things like that. What main item would you recommend somebody works on? And I'll give an example of myself that I get overwhelmed when I have to do all of this posting and all of this writing when my skill set is aesthetics. What would you recommend somebody start mm. with? I think we have to be wise. And, and I always say, write a list of what you're good at and write a list of what you're weak at or what you don't like to do. And if there is a service, if there is a uh, person that you could hire to do the things you don't like to do, or that can teach you to do them in a way that's not so cumbersome, um, that's ideal. Or I would also suggest possibly finding a way to automate or to create templates for things that are seeming, you know, a little cumbersome. Uh, the more structured, the more preset you make those things that you don't like to do, the easier they will be to, to take on and to, to handle. And so, if you, you know, if a person is not really good with uh, being creative for, like, flyers or Instagram advertisements, then you may want to look into hiring someone that will create, you know, a series of templates for you, and then you just plop in your, your you know, your post or plop in your wordage, you know, plop in, um, you know, a product or, here, you know, here and there. But making it easier, making it, making it more uh, template style, is a really good way of taking on the things that you don't like to do. And can you explain what an editorial calendar is? Well, it, I, I like the idea of when it comes to uh, an editorial calendar, and this is just the way I look at editorial calendars. It is your, your pre-plan of your business. And so if you, if you have, um, I'll use myself for an example. If I have the month of June, we just walked into the to the month. If we have, if I have some special, some different things that I want to push for the month, I chart them out ahead of time. If you chart out your marketing, your business, your goals, your focus, your um, your messaging, 
ahead of time, then when as the days come, as the weeks come, you won't be overwhelmed. You won't be sitting there at your desk like, what do I focus on now? What do I do? You're not flying by the seat of your pants. You're actually organizing your marketing, your focus, your um, your message ahead of time. And so it really brings a lot of structure to your business. I, I think it's I think it's essential for any professional. Um, what advice would you give a new entrepreneur about their branding message? Be consistent. Be consistent. Uh, be consistent with your imagery. Be consistent with your message. Separate your personal opinions and your personal business, in other words, your lifestyle, from your business. And so you want to have a professional professional account, professional um email addresses. Like you want everything about your business to have its separate identity from who you are. Not because you're hiding anything, but because in your personal life, your customers may not agree with your personal choices and may not agree, you know, with certain things that you choose to do or choose not to do. And you don't want that to affect the the uh, growth of your business. So keeping them separate and being consistent with your messaging and with your branding, your website, your logo, um, those things are very important. Consistency, fluidity between your logo, your website, and your social media, and your your branding kit is so important. So just being consistent. I think people start to trust you when they know you're you're consistent in what you do. So now you started your own makeup line called No Honey Makeup. So can you tell yes. us how you started that brand and why the name No Honey? Yes. So I started No Honey uh, last year, and it's so interesting um, that we're having this <laughs> that we're having this uh, conversation today because today marks the day I actually announced the launch of my brand. So this is so like monumental for me. I, I love the sentimental, um, you know, connotations to this. To, to this. So No Honey makeup um, does not have honey in it, but that's not why I named it No Honey. Um, I actually use uh, synthetic uh, beeswax, so it's not real beeswax. Um, but it came about because I was in my car one day, and I was listening to this song. And the song was about this this particular scripture that this guy was, like, rapping about. And he was talking about how, you know, um, like a, a very unkind woman for Mr. Honey. And it's like, she's alluring, but she has no integrity. And I was like, ooh, that's like, that's horrible. And I'm like, so as I'm driving, I said, you know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want no honey. Like, I don't, I don't want honey on my lips. And I was like, oh my goodness, that's a great idea. It was just literally that simple. I thought about what he said. I thought about what was being said. And I'm like, no, no honey on my lips. That what I speak and how I treat people is with integrity and honesty. And but uh, and I want you know what I say and what I do to be a representation of that. And so I started my line with lip care, with lipstick, and it's to remind women that when you put on my lip color, let it remind you that your lips shouldn't drip honey. They shouldn't look sweet and 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 be alluring, but have no depth and no substance and no integrity. That uh, what when you speak to people, you should speak with kindness, and when what you say, you should honor. And so it was really kind of just a, a flat 
platform for the integrity of, of women and their beauty. Wow, that's really great. Happy anniversary. Thank you. That's a very amazing story and highlights how your values and morals tie into your brand. How did you how did you continue to use those thoughts in expanding your brand into other uh, categories? So we now have um, eyelashes and eyeshadows, and it's the same thing. It's just any product that I have is, you know, when you wear my eyeshadows, you know, remember to see the beauty in others. Remember to see the beauty in yourself. Remember to, you know, uh, try to see things in this world that may not be all that great or may not be all that favorable and find the good in it. So whether it's on your lips and what you speak, whether it's on your eyes, what you see, you know, you should try your best to pursue integrity and kindness. Look for it. Seek it. You know, see it. Uh, that's kind of just an ongoing thing. Regardless of what you see, regardless of, you know, how you feel, just be mindful of what passes your lips. And really, I just kind of follow that theme throughout the, you know, those products. You know, Juanita, this really sounds like a great line and concept for a messaging for all women, young or old, yeah. to understand how they should hold themselves and value themselves. Uh, just really a, a, a fantastic concept. So how did you start to put this together? A lot of my listeners ask, like, how do I put a makeup line together? How do I get started? So how, how did you get started? So there's so many different ways to approach it, and I think it depends on, you know, where you are uh, financially, where you are um, business-wise, you know, what can you what can you handle? And so for me, being home, at, when I started, you know, my son was very small, and so um, I had to, I knew I could only take on but so much, which is why I launched one product initially. Not everyone has to do that, but I found for me, it got my feet wet with knowing what being a entrepreneur was like and how how to navigate things initially. And so I tell people when you want to start um, a brand, when you want to start a makeup line or a skincare line, whatever it may be, you want to decide what can I handle financially. So I say you can go private label or you can you know contract with a with a, um, a chemist. Um, or a formulator who will help you with your ingredients. Um, but those things are very expensive, and you have to have, you know, the financial, the capital to do so. And so I think it all depends on where you are. For me, when I first started, I didn't have the ability to hire a chemist, to hire a team uh, to put together my particular ingredients, and so I went private label. And um, I know some people kind of frown upon private label, uh, but I think that if you don't have experience uh, owning a brand and running a business, that that is a very safe way to get started. But it doesn't mean you have to stay there. You can start that way, and as you gain understanding, as you find out what your customers like, you know, what they love about your brand, you can start taking those ideas and that data, and then when you have the ability financially, Go out and hire a chemist and, you know, you do your research and you put together a team and they will create your formula. And once you have your formula, you know, you find a manufacturer and you get going. So I think it depends on where you are on many different aspects, financially, 
you know, your business savvy, where are you? And that will determine where you may want to start. How did you start finding formulators or private label companies? And, and can you explain what a private label is? So a private label is an actual company. They're a manufacturing company. They have already created set formulas, uh, whether it's skincare, hair care, uh, makeup. They already have pre-made formulas, and you go and you you can um, contract with them. They will sell their um, their products to you and allow you to put your name on their product. And so it's it's not it's your business. It's not your formula. Um, and, you know, with that, you, that does come some risk because, you know, you're the face of it and you have to have insurances and things to protect yourself. And they have their insurances to protect themselves. Um, but private label allows you to buy something already created and allows you to put your name on it. But I always recommend make sure you believe in the product. Make sure you believe in the ingredients. Don't just go online, research, private label, pick one, slap your name on it, and not do your due diligence. And it's so important to believe, again, believe in your product, believe in your brand, whether it's private label or whether you sat with the chemist and created from the ground up. You want to believe in what you do. And so do your research on the ingredients. Make sure you like what's in there. And from there, you can sell your product right out the door. When you do, um, you work with the chemist, you literally agree on every ingredient added to that product from the first to the last and the most potent to the least uh, potent. You decide what goes in that bottle. And that's the difference, which requires more customization and it's much more expensive. Um, again, you know, price points are definitely drastic from private label to customized. And yeah, you just want to make sure that you believe in the ingredients, whether it's prepackaged or whether you're making it yourself. How did you, like, uh, some private labels offer both, right? That they, you can start off with their pre-made formulations, but then move into a customized version or tweaking their formula? Some of them do offer that. Um, and, and that's, and, and that's a, you know, that's a, another upside. When you do your research, if that's the direction you want to go in, um, that's definitely available to you and for some companies and some don't offer it. But, you know, with anything, there are those companies out there that are just trying to make a quick dollar and they have no intentions of helping you grow your brand, helping you develop formula. They just want you to buy their non-labels, slap your label on there and sell it. And a lot of times they don't even give you uh, the product knowledge that you need to stand behind the product that you're putting your name on. And so it's so important that if you're going to go private label, make sure it's a company that really has integrity because there are some, you know, money-hungry businesses out there that will just say, oh, yeah, this is a cleanser. And they don't have the, the knowledge behind the ingredients to ensure that it's quality. And so, you know, you, you want to be very picky and particular about the brands that you choose. So you probably want to shop around and get like three or four vendors first before making a decision and interview oh, yeah. them. And Yeah, buy samples. A lot of them offer samples or, you know, reduced price samples um, or deluxe sizes, you know, smaller versions of the, the full size bottles. You want to go and you want to purchase, try them, use them yourself. 
for, you know, a little while, see how you like them, because if you won't use it, if you don't like it, you shouldn't be selling it. I mean, unless you're allergic, you know, allergic to it, but other than that, you really shouldn't be selling anything that you're not willing to use yourself. It's very important to, again, believe in your product. Do you have any resources that you could recommend for someone who has the means to, to work with a chemist? How do you find a chemist? Um, I honestly Google. <laughs> I would Google, um, you know, cosmetic chemist, um, and you will get a list, a list, a list of different ones. I mean, these, these people are, you know, professionals. A lot of them work with companies. A lot of them aren't individuals, but, you know, they're not just, uh, you know, a private chemist that you would call. Them. Usually it's within a business. And so, or manufacturer who will um, have a chemist, you know, um, on their team, and you would work with a team of people. So, you've got just the chemist, but also, you know, someone that's going to help with your packaging design and things of that nature. So, um, I think a lot of the private label companies, you can work with the chemist through them, or if you did a search for, you know, cosmetic chemists, they would pair you with someone. I will also say that you want to make sure that the chemist that you work with has an experience with skincare. So not every chemist has a specialty uh, in, in skincare. You want someone that understands that. Sometimes on that team will be a chemist and an esthetician who understands skincare that can help with the ingredients and formulation as well. So, uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely... Google has been my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, can you share some of the hurdles and uh, roadblocks that you came across as you were developing your skincare line and your uh, makeup line? Uh, one of the major hurdles was being disappointed about um, the support of friends and family. Um, you know, you have to friends and family that you love. You, you know, you you start your line. You're like, yeah, I'm starting my own line and you know, you're kind of expecting a lot of support, um, but sometimes your best clients are strangers. Sometimes your best clients are people who just have an interest in your story. You know, they bought into your story, your, the, the background of your brand. Um, they bought into your imagery. They love small business. You know, sometimes it's, you know, the help and the support and the patronage doesn't come from those close to you. So for me, that was one of the biggest things I had to accept, that while I know my family and friends love me, a lot of times I had to get beyond that and know that um, there is a client base out there for me. And, of course, another hurdle is sales. I mean, that's connected, but, you know, sales and seeing the fluctuating. And, you know, one month you're selling them like hotcakes, and then, Next month is like the trickling in one, you know, one purchase a day, you know, one every three days. And, and knowing that it doesn't mean you fail, that just means that you may want to try this strategy with marketing. So I think for me, it was adjusting to the highs and lows of, you know, your first year of business and knowing that, that that's going to happen. But all you have to do, don't change the goal, just change the plan. So how do you sell your products? Is it a storefront, online? I'm online. Um, I found that not having the overhead, not having, you know, the brick and mortar, 
um, keeps my expenses down, um, while I can see myself just, you know, opening a beautiful, you know, boutique, um, the, the brick and mortar expenses is something that I can handle right now. So, um, I'm completely online, you know, ship within the U.S., and that's pretty much how I handle it right now. Um, I would love for that to change, but that's, you know, that's my only place of, of um, retail at this moment. Is there any hurdles in selling online that you want to share with the uh, listeners? A lot of the hurdles with selling online is choosing a platform to do your merchandising with. And so for me, I love Squarespace. I use Squarespace, and they have a business plan where it handles all of your e-commerce. It handles all of it, from your your payment portal to um, the apps on your phone that you can receive an order right to your phone. You can send an order. I mean, it is just so user-friendly. So it has taken the weight off my shoulders of retailing online. So I strongly, um, and of course, say how's your website as well. So it's just been a one-stop shop for me. Um, I do everything through Squarespace, and I love it. Are there any commitments in terms of opening up? You said that, you know to take payments and things. So do you have to open up a bank account through Squarespace, or you just use your own bank? No, you just connect. You connect right to them. Um, you connect uh, whatever, you know, banking institution. I don't believe they have a bank um, at all. Uh, you just connect to your banking institution, whatever that may be. And um, obviously, I recommend having a business account. Uh, keep it separate from your personal account so that you are possibly allocating not only your, you know, your income, your, your taxes and all of that, but also being able to measure your profit against your expense. So, you know, all of that accounting, it is, it is wise to keep it separate from your personal banking. Is dealing, do you deal with an accountant yourself? Do you do your own accounting work, your own tax returns and things like that? Or do you, you know, like, how do you recommend that for uh, people who are starting their own line? Uh, I, if you're not dealing with money, you should have someone on your team that is. Uh, I, I strongly recommend uh, going online, you know, looking into um, whether it's a tax attorney. I mean, a lot of people are doing, you know, LLCs, you know, they're doing sole proprietors, all of those different things. It depends on, you know, how you're set up. But um, I happen to be blessed with a husband who is a numbers guy. He um, is not an accountant. He's not, you know, certified or anything, but he, he is a mastermind when it comes to numbers. And so he really handles, again, those weaknesses, right? Knowing what you're good at and knowing what you're not and whatever you're not good at, find someone on your, to be on your team that can do that for you that you trust. And so my husband is really good at that. Um, he watches all the numbers for me. He, you know, we talk about inventory. We talk about, you know, what's the best deal, what, you know, how to create, you know, discounts you know, promos. I mean, he's really good with all of that. So if you can't afford an accountant, uh, really, you know, look through your friend base and find someone that's trustworthy that has the strength that you lack. And especially when it comes to accounting, because you want your numbers to be right. Juanita, several times in this conversation, you've mentioned the team around you. And when you were creating your brand, 
the people that you thought would support you weren't really supportive. How important is that when you're building a brand? Oh, you gotta, you, you gotta know, it's so important. You have to know who is for you and who, I don't want to say against you, but who is not able to help you. Um, cause I don't promote, um, you know, division and, and people, you know, being jealous and all of that. I try not to give energy to those type of, um, you know, situations. I like to focus on, okay, is this someone that can help me in this area? And if there's friends and family who can't help you, it's okay. That's just not a strength for them. So you want to, uh, when it comes to business, the people you have around you may be different than the people who you have around for socializing and friendship. And it's okay to have business friends and business support and personal friends and personal support. And so I have uh, found a very small group of people around me that don't necessarily um, get involved in the actual logistics of my business in the sense that they don't know all of the details of the finances and things, but what they do uh, is offer me uh, an unbiased reaction or opinion to some of the things that I want to do. So I'll say things like, you know, I'm considering offering this deal, or would you purchase this package if I offered that, or would you? You know, I would feed off of their reactions, and I trust them to give me honesty. And so because of that, I avoid the mishaps of, you know, things I never thought of. I, I didn't think that that would, you know, not be a good deal. I didn't think that that would not be a good promotion. I didn't think that, you know, and they'll say, oh, yeah, I wouldn't do that about you. Or, yeah, that's a great idea. I would buy that. You want to have people around that will um, balance you out because when you, when you have a lot of passion, it's easy to stay focused on the passion and forget about business. You, you, you miss, you'll miss the importance of running the business if you get too engulfed in the passion aspect. So they keep you grounded. So when you get, uh, take other people's advice and you're asking for other advice, how many people, how deep do you go in asking for that advice in terms of numbers of people so that you don't get confused or sidetracked? Like, is it one in ten people said, yes, they would do this, so I'm not going to pursue that offer? How do you decide? I, yeah, I think too many is, you know, that that's, I think having, um, the, I think you have more strength and quality than quantity. So for me, I try to surround myself with people who I know can are strong thinkers that won't waver just because they don't want to hurt my feelings. And I think I find more value in that than saying, oh, well, seven out of the ten people I ask, you know, agree with me, so I'm going to do it. Um, I, I trust the people that I ask um, specific questions to because I know they won't take my feelings into consideration when they give their reaction. It's raw, you know, it's real, and that's exactly what I'm looking for. Is that the same steps you take when you're actually picking, say, a color for a lip color? When I'm looking for lip color, I focus a lot on trends. So I look at what, what, what the season is. Is it summer? Well, if it's summer, I'm probably not going to put out that dark berry color. You know, I'm probably going to save that for the fall and winter. But I'm, I'm going to put out that peach. Or I'm going to put out that light pink. So it's very important to pay attention to social trends. Pay attention to what's hot 
what's going on right now. Pay attention to social media, you know, hashtags. See what people are doing. Um, in the, you know, in the season, pay attention to other, you know, top brands, you know, huge major brands. What colors are they putting out? What, you know, what's the color of the season? Is it yellow? You know, if you have a, you know, makeup line or, you know, any type of cosmetic line, maybe that's time to put up that yellow nail polish. That's the color of the season. You know, a lot of people are swayed by the masses, and so it's always a good idea to have those things in the mix when you're, you know, putting together your seasonal packaging or your seasonal sales. Um, when I was in marketing and advertising, like yourself, we used Pantone colors, and Pantone has a color of the year. I know fashion uses that, but don't you have to do uh, mm -hmm. these kind of things way in advance? So when you're picking a color for spring, you're actually doing it in the winter? Oh, it's ideal to do that. And, and that goes into the planning, you know, not just waiting for the time to come and, and oh, 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 wow, it's already summer. Hmm, let me think about what I want to do right now. That should be, you know, you should plan that in January. Like, you should be thinking about, um, and especially when you start, you know, getting your product together off season, it's cheaper. It's just like with clothes. It's like you buy your summer clothes in the winter, you're going to get them cheaper. It's, it's, you know, your profit margin expands better um, when you buy off season. So, absolutely, you should be thinking ahead, at least, at minimum, a season ahead. So, for that entrepreneur that wants to get into the makeup uh, arena, then should they be going to fashion shows or reading like Women's Wear Daily, that. you know, and those kind of things so they actually know what the trends are coming? Yeah, they should be watching uh, a lot of the, again, YouTube and, you know, and uh, Instagram are very big tell signs of where fashion is going, where beauty is going. You'll see the latest trends, you know, lock down those hashtags. You know what I mean? If you want to know what's going to be happening in fall 2020, look up the hashtag fall 2020, you know, or whatever year and season it is, you want to start doing your research and see what's coming down the pipe. Because even if you find out what they're doing in, in fashion for the fall, you can start playing your color scheme off of for apparel, you know. They go hand in hand. And so if you if they're saying that maroon is going to be the color for the fall for clothing, then maybe when you do your media package or your visual package for your lip color, you'll have the maroon sweater with the maroon lipstick with a, you know, with a brown leather boot in your picture, kind of putting it together like a storyboard. It will be cohesive. And they're like, oh, yeah, I bought that maroon sweater for the fall, and now I need a matching lipstick and the clutch purse. I mean, you know, you'll complete their look for them. Um, they're looking for that extra piece. So, yeah, I would totally follow fashion trends to, to complement the makeup trends and vice versa. And you also shared with me that you have a top secret makeup, a skincare line, name not revealed yet, trademark pending. So how do you, <laughs> <laughs> how do you do that with skincare? Because skincare, is it seasonal? Is it the same as uh, makeup? I think because people have different skin concerns, um, there are some major staples that are consistent throughout the year. But, of course, in the winter, the air is drier, you know, more harsh on our skin. You're going to beef up certain products more in the winter 
than you would in the summer and vice versa. You know, sometimes you say, okay, well, in the wintertime, I'm going to give more focus to certain products than I do others. So I think if you have a very, uh, you know, expanded skincare brand um, and a lot of products, you would just shift focus on certain things in certain seasons. You know, you will kind of shift your focus to a lot more exfoliating products, a lot more hydrating products, and, you know, get that beautiful glow going on for the summer when everyone wants to glow and everyone wants to have, you know, that beautiful look. Um, but then in the wintertime, you know, you do something a little different. You would focus on masks and, and, and things that are going to increase the hydration and, and really help your skin avoid all the dryness that happens in the winter. So I think just shifting focus on products, not so much changing them. So with your skincare line, can you give us a teaser on what products or products you are planning on launching first? Yes. So my strategy is start simple and start basic. And so I'm going to be starting off with three products initially because I want to help, um, for lack of a better word, train my customer base to get a hold of the basics. You want to look cleanse. You want to exfoliate. You want to moisturize. That is the basics of skincare. If you have those three down, anything else you do with that is going to just take you to another level of skincare, you know, and skin health. And so um, I'm starting off with the basic three, and um, a lot of the ingredients have to do with um, oils. I have a lot of oils involved. Um, I have a lot of natural ingredients involved, and I have some hyaluronic acid in there. Um, really trying to get my uh, customers to understand, handle the basic three, and anything else is going to be a plus for you. So not so much going after the big thing, but really trying to give them a healthy baseline of skincare. So did you decide to go the same way as you did with your makeup by starting with a private label line just to see how things work out and then um, massage it from there? I did. I did start, decide to go that way, um, and that is because I actually have a very strategic plan on uh, working with a chemist. I, I don't have – I'm not contracted with a chemist just yet, but I have already – started formulating the ingredients I want in my brand that are very specific to my interest. And I need to build to that point where I can afford to do that. And so I have no shame in saying, hey, I can't afford to go that route just yet, but that's, but that's not going to stop me from pursuing what I believe is a quality skincare line. And so after doing my research and after um, trying multiple, multiple private line brands, this one in particular, I am in agreement with, uh, and I and I love their message, and I want to partner with them um, until I branch off on my own. Wow, that sounds really exciting. We can't wait to hear about it. Have you decided to? Thank you. <laughs> you know, um, it is. It's a it's a great risk, but a, a great exciting thing to to have happen. Did you decide to use? a new branding message with this skincare line, or are you going to marry it with the No Honey Makeup brand? Um, it is a separate um, it's a separate message. 
also, not only is it a separate message, but the name that I'm going with is not just for skincare. I'm actually going to be transit, not transitioning, but adding other things to that brand name. So while that brand name will be the beginning face, uh, while that skincare is going to be the beginning face of that brand, there will be apparel, there will be, a, you know, accessories and other things that will come under that brand name. So skincare is just the beginning of that brand. Wow, that's very ambitious. Now how, like, so you're sort of like becoming the house of Chanel? <laughs> well, you know, I was actually thinking about being like, like Amway. Like, <laughs> you go on there and you see everything from tires to, <laughs> to skincare to, you know, you know, flower pots. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm being silly, but, you know, I, I wanted a, um, a brand that could take me in multiple directions. And I wanted to be able to have one central brand that I give my attention to, regardless of what the product is. I want the brand to be consistent. I want to push one brand name. And so eventually, no honey will come under that. Um, but the, the message of no honey will remain the same, but the name of the brand will change. And so I just want to have this one house brand with multiple, multiple products in multiple directions. So can you illustrate for the listeners how you came through this evolution from starting your makeup brand to the skincare line and this main brand? Like, how did the thinking of that all evolve? How did that happen? I think it's the entrepreneurial mind. You know, some people have, well, I should say entrepreneurial personality. Some people have an entrepreneurial mindset, meaning they, they want to have, you know, they love the idea of business. They love the idea of, you know, doing different things. But I consider myself a creative, and so I am. I'm always creating something in my mind, and then I have an entrepreneurial personality. So I'm always looking to see how I can create and release something, how I can innovate, how I can cultivate. I don't know how to turn it off. <laughs> it just happens. And what I had to learn was as beautiful and awesome as it is to be creative and to be an innovator and to be a cultivator without proper structure and knowledge and wisdom and training, you will be, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none. And so I had to kind of gain that creativity and bring it under the subjection of smart business sense. And so um, that was hard because it's like, oh, but this is such a great idea. Oh, but this is such a great idea. And it's like, but can you manage all of that? And the answer was no. And so I realized that I have to start in one area. I have to start small. I have to become strong. And then I can add on. And so that's my, that's my like motto is, you know, be consistent, you know, start small, get strong and add on. And that's how I kind of approach it all. That's great advice. And that was one of the first questions I asked you when we first started was, when you're starting a brand, how do you stay when there's all these distractions? When there's, I love this, I like that, and you just answered it so beautifully. So thank you for that. I think that that's going to be a uh, Juanita Burgess uh, one for the books that people will repeat over and over. Start small, stay strong, and add on. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's, I'm getting goosebumps. It sounds so simple, right? But it's hard to do when, when you just want to, you know, you want to do everything. You know, it's like, I still have to like turn my head away when I see, you know, new, new ideas and new products. And I'm like, nope, nope, we're starting small. We're going to start right here. And I'm like, oh, but that eye cream, I can really do a really good eye cream. It's like, no, nope, start small. You want to start small? Get strong, get your bases down, get your heels in the, in the ground, in the sand. You know, you want to you be grounded. And then when you add on, you, you're you adding on to a strong foundation. So you, if you add too much and you're not grounded, you'll, you'll crumble. Yep. I think that's everything in life, right? It's every single thing we do oh, in life. Yeah. If we, we have a good foundation first, we can build anything on top of it. But if we do a sloppy job and we shortcut it or we do it quickly then it can crumble eventually. I also liked, I really uh, resonated with your statement, create and release, because I uh, totally relate to that statement and uh, do that all the time myself. So, and I feel um, the same way, like I can create all day and and get off on tangents, just how you get lost on the internet when you start looking up something and you start going down. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, you know. So is there anything that we didn't cover that you really feel our listeners should know? I feel like uh, I, I just want to encourage, you know, all of the listeners that, hey, there could be 20 other people doing it, but there's only one you. And don't, you know, don't feel the need to do what everyone else is doing. Do what's in your heart to do. And think outside of your circle. Um, I had a conversation with my husband yesterday, and I said something very, you know, I was very transparent with him about how I felt about being an entrepreneur. And I said, you know, it bothers me when I think when I think of setting my price point for my product, and I'm like, okay, I think in order for this to be effective and what this product is worth, I'm going to have to charge this amount. I have to put this price on this product. And when I see that number, the first thing my brain goes to is, oh, my gosh, I don't think people would spend that much on that. But my mind goes to people. The people that I see are the people in my, you know, in my circle, my friends. And I have to remember, business is not personal. Business is business. And I, and I said to my husband, I have to accept the fact that my customers may not be people that I originally know. And I have to be willing to believe that if I am offering quality products, if I am offering, you know, a, a quality business, that there are people who will pay the price that I set because I'm doing it honestly and I'm doing it with integrity and I have to believe that people will purchase my product and I can't shut down or lower my prices because of the people immediately around me. I have to know there's a whole world that can shop with me. And I think that is the message I want to send out to all those who are starting. Do not base your base your prices on the people around you and what they can afford. Base it on what you're worth, the, the integrity of your product, and the integrity of your brand. And then go find the people who are willing to pay what you are charging. I think that is the best advice I can offer. Juanita, some people don't know what they're worth. You know, a lot of uh, uh, ladies that are in aesthetics, have uh might have been their first time out of school out a secondary school 
they, you know, went through the ranks through a spa and salon and they don't really maybe understand what they're worth. So how, how do you help somebody find that out? I, I think that is, that starts personally. Um, I think that if someone is struggling with knowing what they're worth, um, I think that is probably something that, and this is something I say, I feel very strongly about therapy. I think that therapy is the best self-care you can do um, when you are embarking on a new life. And a, and a business is a new life. That is a major addition to your life. Well, that's a cliffhanger. Funny story, Juanita and I had a hard time getting our schedules together to coordinate our event. Then she had to go in the car to get away from her little baby so that he wouldn't want to cry and have her the whole time. And then my phone battery died right as she finished that statement. However, the whole entire conversation was fabulous and amazing and inspiring, and I hope that you got the same out of it as well. I want to thank Juanita so much for spending the time with me today. If you would like to reach or know more about Juanita Burgess, you can find her at nohoneymakeup.com, on Facebook at nohoneymakeup, and on Instagram at nohoneymakeup. I'm Cheryl Stroud, and you've been listening to Skin365.expert, the podcast. You can follow Skin365.expert and Cheryl Rushy Stroud on Instagram or visit us on Skin365.expert on the web. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcast and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Skin365.expert conversation. Thank you for listening.